Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yes, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream. Links to our social media sites, where we... uh, broadcast and simulcast the radio show on the internet and of course also links to our podcast which is available every day wherever great podcasts are found castbox stitcher um uh apple uh podcast itunes google play and of course uh spotify um good morning and welcome to the program and of course we are always broadcasting on regular old terrestrial radio um just plain old, ordinary, free-to-you radio on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. And uh, we appreciate you guys coming out and joining us this morning on this beautiful, you heard the heater in the background, it was a little chilly in the studio this morning, uh, about 13 degrees here uh, outside the uh, outside the old radio ranch uh, here in the South Central area. But we're ready to rock and roll. Uh, Today on the program, we have got more detailed and thought-provoking analysis of the election. Yes, I mean, mean, that's what I'm saying anyway. I'm calling it that. I don't know if it truly is, but uh, we're going to try. We're going to go over some of the latest election results and numbers. Uh, they, uh, they popped out, uh, last night about 6 PM. We got the latest update from the division of elections. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff and, uh, we'll, uh, <clears throat> we'll go from there. And, uh, it is going to be a fantastic, uh, show for that. We're also going to, uh, we're going to open the phone lines up, uh, throughout the show this morning and we'll talk about some various things. And then I guess I've got a question for you and this is kind of a, uh, this is kind of a, uh, a a revisit of some of the things that we were talking about yesterday, because after our conversation with Brad yesterday, I made the radical suggestion that uh, <clears throat> maybe what we needed here in the state of Alaska was a um, was a sales tax. I mean, excuse me, was an income tax uh, to make the legislature more accountable to the people um, and. I, you know, I, I made it in the spirit of discussion, right? Um, because I'm like, look, we keep fighting this fight of, uh, you know, cuts only of no new taxes and everything else. And we're just going to stand here and we're going to stand in the middle of the road and we're just going to hold up our hands, you know, uh, telling the, uh, <clears throat> telling the bus to stop. And what happens? We keep getting run over by the bus because we're standing in the middle of the road. And so, um, you know, I had a bit of a thought and said, well, maybe we should just, um, maybe we should just go full the other way and, uh, and encourage, uh, you know, encourage there to be a income tax. I mean, this, there's been part of an argument for this, you know, Jay Hammond talked about that, um, that, uh, 
that the elimination, I mean, Jay Hammond, the Republican, right? The income tax uh, should not have been eliminated from the books, according to him, is, you know, that 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 was the only way that was the sort of Damocles that would, you know, hang over the heads of legislators. If they did anything, that they would have to go to the people with the taxes and that they would then, you know, the people would, you know, rise up. Um, So anyway, uh, I just threw that out there yesterday just as a I'm just, again, riffing, trying to figure out some ways to fix it. And um, unsurprisingly, there was a lot of pushback on it. And I knew there was going to be, but I just thought, you know, let's think of everything. Let's throw everything on the table and see what can happen. And that got me thinking yesterday that, um, you know, we've got the Charter of Changes, right? We've got the Charter of Changes, which um, is, you know, what I believe uh, needs to be done to, um, uh, you know, the things that I believe that need to be done to get us, uh, you know, to get the state back on track. We've talked about the Charter of Changes uh, here on the program many, many, many times. The change of players, change the venues, change the rules, change the funding, right? I mean, this is all. So in light of what we were talking about yesterday, I started thinking, you know, what we may need is we may need a change to the Charter. We may need to change some of these, some of these, some of those changes. So I thought later on in the program, I would open it up to you and um, and and we'll take suggestions on what we should change on the charter of changes. You know, because obviously, it, I mean, it's a great it's a great set of ideals, <clears throat> but it's obviously not working. It's obviously not working. And again, I am not one to continue to repeat the same thing over and over and over again and expect different results. So I thought, well, we'll just, we'll open that up and we'll talk about that here later in the program this morning. So how about, how about them's apples? Huh? How about them's apples? Well, unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard that uh, President Trump has announced his, uh, has announced his intent to run for re-election in 2024. Big surprise. Um, and uh, in case you can't tell by the tone of my voice, I'm not excited about that uh, for many reasons. I personally believe that there are plenty of people in this country who uh, the reason that we had the pink tinkle instead of the red wave was in part due to their frustration and their exhaustion in dealing with Trumpian politics. Um, I, you know, it's just my personal belief. You can believe whatever way you want, but that's kind of the way that I'm taking this. And, um, I I just, I mean, we knew it was coming. We knew that this is what he's been building up to, but I just don't, I don't see this as a net positive for, well, for the country or for smaller, more limited government fans. I just don't see this. I don't see it as being a net positive for us. Unfortunately, it is going to again continue to, I think, make the uh, the whole political process into even more of a circus. And I think I think there are better candidates out there. I really do. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about DeSantis, 
as being one. And of course, what's the first thing that we saw happen after the post-election uh, thing is that we saw Trump out there attacking DeSantis, um, uh, you know, uh, because he could see it was going to be a threat. And I, I just it just immediately made me tired. Right. Uh, DeSantis has been doing a fantastic job in his home state and he's stood strong. He's done a lot of good things. Uh, you've been watching a lot of the, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of the uh, political, um, um, you know, uh, media, you know, uh, highlighting DeSantis and you see how happy people in Florida are. And I mean, I think that there's, you know, some really good possibilities there. But immediately after that, of course, we saw you know, the, some of the attacks start and I'm, I'm just not ready for another, uh, for another two year cycle of, um, of again, Trumpian politics. That's just me. Uh, maybe you guys are all super excited about this. Uh, not me, not me. Um, I think that, uh, there's, I think that there's still plenty of detritus left over from the last go around that needs to be cleaned up before we jump into this with both feet. But, you know, again, it, your mileage may vary. This may be the greatest thing in the world for you. Um, but I'm just, again, not ready for another two years of, uh, of the uh, uh, Trump machine. Uh, so that was the big news. Uh, what else we got? What was the other news that I caught on the fringe of this? Uh, this actually made news all the way up here into the uh, South Central area. The Homer City Hall was packed on uh, Tuesday night wall to wall as Homer residents waited to be heard during the library advisory board meeting. They gathered to discuss the fate of of 55 books that are currently being considered for removal uh, from the children's uh, young and adult section, children and young adult section of the library. The books, um, which uh, back in July, uh, um, a resident named Madeline Velstra started to petition um, after feeling like the books in the children's section were not age appropriate, the books have apparently an LGBTQAI, the whole whatever, the alphabet thing. They've got oh, that kind of slant, slant to them. And um, so there was, a, you know, there was some concerns. So discussion at the meeting ranged from residents describing their worries about the sexual images the books had to concerned about inclusion and debate over what's considered appropriate for young people. The library director originally dismissed the petition during the summer due to the library's objectives of being a place to represent the entire community. Um, and, uh, you know, we want to represent every kind of viewpoint, he said here. Nobody is forced to read anything they don't like. Uh, Velstra said she didn't want to remove the books from the library, but instead wanted them to go to a designated section where we could protect kids from content that's not age appropriate to them. And that sounds like a more reasonable that sounds like a more reasonable request that you know that they should be age appropriate the lgd lgtbqia themed books could be in a section all to themselves or maybe a more adult section as i don't necessarily want children to become confused by all the stuff that they're reading. So anyway, I thought this was interesting that it made uh, actually made the news up here in the south central area uh, out of down there. So I don't know what you guys are. I don't know what you guys are seeing down there. 
but uh, looks uh, looks pretty crazy. Looks pretty crazy. Um, <clears throat> feel free to call in and tell me about that. If you've been personally watching this or participating down in the peninsula, I'd love to hear this as well. Again, I, I don't have problem with those books being in the library personally. I mean, you know, if you want to have those books in there, great. A library is a library. I don't have to necessarily agree with the stuff that's in it, but it should be age appropriate. I, I do believe that. I don't believe that there should be a lot of controversial things in the children's section. Um, uh, you know, that's that should be able to drop your kids off into the children's section and go go out and pick out a book without coming, you know, coming back with, I don't know, Johnny has three mommies or whatever it is that you know, whatever the book is, I, I think it should be a little bit easier than that. You should be a little bit more at ease than having to try to explain to your seven year old uh, why Johnny has two mommies or whatever the whatever the theme of the book is. Um, I just want something a little less controversial when my kids are reading uh, in their youth. Um, All right. Um, I guess that's it. I guess we're up against the break. So we'll start here and then we'll start going over some election results. Um, And uh, we'll see uh, we'll see what some of the new numbers say. It's going to be. Uh, It's going to be good. We're going to talk about that and more. Um, uh Uh-oh. Who else will stand up for hateful, uh, stand up to hateful communism? If Trump doesn't do it, who else will? Well, I I can think of a lot of people, but, you know, it's it's good. Um, Anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, we are coming up to it. The Michael Duke Show, Common common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Hello, my pretties. And your little dogs, too. Um, all right. So, uh, what's going on? Um, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Rick says, first thing I hear is taxes. I know. I just, you know, that's what it is. Um, <clears throat> such corruption in Alaska. Um, uh, Patrick Doc Lang says he's the only one who had the balls to stand up, Mike, meaning Trump. Well, he was the only one that had the balls enough to say things that were you know, non-politician like, I will say that. Uh, I don't think it's dealing with Trump politics says Michael on YouTube. I think it's dealing with Democrats dealing with Trump politics. It's, it's, it, you're right. I mean, exactly. It's part of it for sure. Um, uh, Brian says Trump fatigue. Yep. Uh, Cindy says, I'm thankful for all of his policies and what his policies did for the economy, but in my opinion, he should be working in the background. I mean, at this point, I think, right, because what it is at this point is it becomes a distraction from some of the, um, you know, uh, from some of that stuff. Um, it's a distraction from, you know, uh, other policies or candidates who might be able to get the job done without being 
constantly under the crosshairs of the media. Um, let's see. Uh, you can run Trump against DeSantis and you split the conservative vote. I'm with you for not being ready for another two years of Trump against the GOP and the rest of government against America. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, this is a national problem with the GOP as well. That This is what led to the rise of Trump is the weakness of the GOP. Just like there's been a weakness here in Alaska, there's been a weakness nationally, and this is what led to the rise of Trump to begin with. Um, let's see. Uh, definitely library needs to be age appropriate. I don't want any of those books in my school K to 12. I mean, if you want to talk about them for older teens, for children and, you know, young teens or, you know, what I've, I've got no problem with that. I just don't think that it is age appropriate for grades, you know, one through six or one through eight or whatever. Uh, um, um, Reuben McNeil, uh, Jerrica is talking to Reuben, said, you're underestimating DeSantis' support. It would split the vote and hurt conservatives more than help us. Uh, Trump was always a distraction. He was chosen by the media because he was the easiest for Hillary to beat. I would, you know what, it, it's almost like that is a little bit true. I remember when Trump first announced. I remember I was sitting in a studio in the radio station that I was working at at the time. And doing a morning show, and we were live on the air when they first announced, when Trump first announced that he was going to be president. We were live on the air, and so we went and we looked and, you know, thought it was a joke. And uh, and lo and behold, I was shocked to discover, definitely not a joke and definitely crazy times we lived in. But again, I think we've done that experiment, and I think we need to, I, I agree with whoever said it earlier, that he needs to be, I think it was Cindy, he should be working in the background. He, that's what he should be. He should be the elder statesman working in the background with a new candidate and let's move on. <clears throat> His monster ego will not let him work with anybody else, says Bill. And that's also, unfortunately, I think true. Um, and no, I don't think he would run with DeSantis as his VP. I mean, look at the VP that he had, Mike Pence. The guy is milquetoast, right? I mean, Mike, Mike Pence is like, he's like boring. He's like paste. I mean, that, that's what he was looking for with somebody who would not overshadow him or overshine him. DeSantis would definitely um, be giving him a run for his money. He, his ego would not let that happen, you know. Um, uh, Hildemort was looking for someone she thought she could seriously trounce and claim a mandate. Yep. I, I got it. Uh, Sandy says, I'm, <laughs> Sandy says, I'm done here. I don't know what that means. Uh, Trump will be president again. He's now the front leader GOP. Well, we'll see. I mean, it, it could be, he very well could be, like I said, to each his own, um, to each his own. I, for one, am just not ready for another two years of that kind of Trumpian stuff. All right, uh, jumping back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show continues. Um, common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Let's do it. Uh, 
Okay, well, greetings and solicitations. No, 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 that's not it. That's the other one. Salutations. No, no, no. Felicita... Feliz Navidad? Whoa, it's a little early for that. <laughs> Good morning, my friends. Are you ready to continue our discussions? Apologies. Still recovering. <clears throat> Every now and then it just sneaks up on me out of the blue. That catch <laughs> in my throat. <laughs> so uh, welcome to the program. And uh, thank you for um, um, uh, thank you for coming in and joining us. We were just uh, we're 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 just uh, talking about a lot of stuff here in the uh, uh, in the chat room um, over the books issue and of course the issue of candidates and Trump and there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting comments and conversation in the chat room. You're missing out if you're not joining us on Facebook every morning uh, or on YouTube if you want to join us on YouTube as well. Um, and either one of those, um, uh, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. There was a discussion about whether or not DeSantis and uh, Trump could run together. If DeSantis could run as the VP candidate, for example. Uh, unfortunately, I just, uh, as I said earlier... I just don't think that um, that would be I just don't think that that would be uh, uh, realistic because Trump is not going to let anybody who has any kind of charisma <clears throat> or good track record or anything. Nothing that will basically take away from his his spotlight and his glory. I mean, again, just look at Mike Pence as a candidate. The guy is exci- is as exciting as watching paint dry. Right. I mean, just the most bland, boring, non person in. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but, you know, talk about somebody who definitely is not ready for the national spotlight or dazzling or charismatic or a statesman or anything like that, which are all things that Ron DeSantis is. Um, But the uh, you know, the question is, well, could DeSantis and Trump, they could go in, that'd be the dream team, except for Trump's ego couldn't handle having somebody like DeSantis in his number two position because he'd be afraid of being overshadowed. That's just it's not it would I would bet a million real dollars that that would never happen, Uh, because, again, the Trump train is all about Trump and anybody else. Diminished. Anything that diminishes the the rising sun on his vision and his ideal and his uh, his you know his cult of personality is not going to uh, is not going to do it. Um, so I think what you're going to see is you're going to see antagonism instead of teamwork uh, on that, and it'll be um, you know it'll be the inside self-destructive Republican politics for the first, uh, you know, two years until they get to the primary, and then we'll see what happens there. But <clears throat> I fully expect that DeSantis is going to make the big run uh, here this year. All right. Sorry. Enough about national politics. I very rarely dive into that simply because it makes me tired. Um, let's go on and talk about things that are going um, uh, that are going on here inside the state. There's a new update. To the various races uh, around the state of Alaska, uh, we got the update last night at 6 p.m., a brand new set of uh, statistics that just came out. I'm sorry, I'm looking for the 
I got way too many screens going on here. Um, what? <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know why, 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 why. Uh, this worked earlier and I set it all up and now it didn't, it didn't work. Uh, sorry, I'm going to, uh, we're going to, um, uh, go over the latest numbers from the division of elections and we're going to <clears throat> see exactly what, uh, has, uh, popped out, uh, from, uh, that. Let me, let me grab the, let me grab the proper, hey, 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 look at that. There we go. We got the uh, uh, we got the the actual PDF file up from the uh, from the uh, division of elections. So uh, let's get let's get it on. Let's get it going on. We got all the different stuff here, and we are ready to go. Um, we can look at the numbers directly in the raw here, and we'll. Uh, We'll give you a we'll give you an idea of what's going on. So to begin with, um, the Murkowski race, uh, the Murkowski Shibaka race, is um, is tightening up. Twenty seven thousand additional ballots were counted uh, on the Tuesday uh, yesterday and came out uh, last night at six p.m. Now, the ballots counted on Tuesday did not include ones from rural Alaska. There are still several thousand ballots remaining to be counted from the rural communities, according to the Division of Elections, and they're expecting another update uh, uh, this Friday, which is also the deadline for the division to receive the absentee ballots as long as they were postmarked before Election Day. And then they'll release additional final results on the 15-day post-election mark, which is one day before Thanksgiving. So next Wednesday. And it will be the final day and the final official results. They'll also tabulate results in all the races where the top candidate doesn't re, uh, need, uh, excuse me, doesn't uh, hit that 50% voter threshold. Remember, with ranked choice voting, if a candidate hits 50%, and that's the final number uh, for, you know, after the all the initial counts are done, <clears throat> then that's it. The the It's done. There's no more ranking. It doesn't go on beyond that. If they don't hit the 50%, then they start ranking and dropping candidates and adding stuff and doing everything else. So uh, Lisa Murkowski uh, has increased her percentage points right now. She is directly, almost directly tied with Kelly Shibaka. Um, with uh, almost 245,000 votes cast in that race, um, the difference uh, between uh, Lisa Murkowski and Kelly Shibaka is about 600 votes. That's it. 600 votes between the two. With over 206,000 votes cast for the two of them, 600 votes is all that separates the two of them. Now, don't forget Buzz Kelly, who dropped out. He's still got almost 7,000 votes. And, of course, uh, Pat Chesbro has also got 24,000 votes that have been cast for her. Uh, but you can see here, Suzanne Downing had an interesting uh, piece of analysis, which I hadn't considered in the breakdown of this, but I thought it was very, very interesting. She said, in the Senate race, it's becoming increasingly clear that a majority of registered Democrats voted for Lisa Murkowski 
first because there are 77,000 registered Democrats in the state. And with a current turnout of this election of 36.83%, only 20,000 candidates voted for Pat Chesbro, which means that a big chunk of those 77,000, it looks like, if you read the numbers correctly, instead voted for Lisa Murkowski first. So what does that mean? Well, it still means that this is Murkowski's race to lose because guaranteed that a big chunk of those 24,000 people that voted for uh, Pat Chesbro still probably ranked Lisa Murkowski second. So this is Murkowski's race to lose. Uh, I think that um, it's all done but the singing at this point. Uh, because even if every one of Buzz Kelly's votes went forward to Kelly Chewbacca, um, again, 6,000, 7,000 versus 24,000 um, and a 600 vote difference. Yeah, I think this is going to be so. But but what it proves is one thing. Even with rank choice voting, it's going to be close. So uh, I don't think it's I think it's very obvious that without rank choice voting, this never would have happened, which, again, would raise questions about should this be the number one issue that we should be focused on in this next session? Not the PFD, not anything else, but should ranked choice voting be the number one issue in the coming legislative session to, re- to repeal it? I mean, uh, U.S. House of Representatives, um, Mary Peltola actually uh, went uh, uh, up. She, she actually gained. I mean. It could come down to as more rural votes, because as I just said, the rural votes aren't counted. Uh, a lot of the rural votes weren't included in the um, in the latest gains that came in um, and that they were, you know, the, the lot, lot more outstanding votes to be counted. So that being said, <clears throat> Mary Peltola is at 48 percent. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, it's statistically possible that. She could go over the 50 percentile threshold, meaning she there won't even need to be a second round of ranking. It won't matter who you it won't matter if you ranked the red, <laughs> which I think says gobs about what happened in this last election cycle. What did I say? What did I say about the whole the, the, what did I say about the, the battle between Palin and baggage? What did I say? This is going to turn people off. It's going to piss people off that you guys are doing nothing but tearing into each other on the airwaves continuously. That the politics of personal destruction, the Trumpian attacks and name calling and all the other kind of stuff. That he could pull off because he's got this, I don't know, whatever whatever he's got that makes people go, oh, that's good for him. But in anybody else, it looks petty and bitter, right? This is what happens. You took all the normal, straight, middle-of-the-road people who were neither Republican nor Democratic, and you just, you just turned them off to you. I mean, if if this if Mary Peltola gets 50% of the vote 
before we even get to the actual ranking component of this, I'm going to laugh because this is exactly what I mean. You can go back and watch the show and replay it within the first few weeks of this campaign when I was asking questions like, why are they tearing at each other? Why wouldn't they both be on the attack against the single Democrat? I mean, why? What, what, is this, what does this do other than look bad and turn people off? This is exactly what happened. Here we are. We are less than two percentage points away from having Mary Peltola tip over the top of that 50 percentile mark. And you know how much 2% is? Do you? Do you, we're talking about about 4,500, 5,000 votes. That's what the 2% is. We are that close, folks. How in the world does Alaska go from being the red state with the longest term Republican, you know, congressman, blah, 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 to Mary Peltola getting an outright win in rank choice at the 50 percentile mark? When you get two candidates who tear at each other like, like you know, fifth graders on the school ground. No, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was sure tired of it. Like early on, like before the, you know, even before the, the I, I, I said it, I warned him, this is not going to play well. And here we are, 48.13% of the vote. I mean, that means he only needs one, she only needs 1.8%, uh, one point. Uh, 1.87% of the vote to be able to just be free and clear and not even have to have any ranking done, which is about 4,500 votes. That's it. That's all they need. How does it happen? Well, how it happens is you get two people who just, can't, I don't know, can't, uh, can't act like adults. I, I just, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to phrase that. I guess I will say that they cannot see the bigger picture and they took some very bad advice and decided to use primary tactics in the general election. You know, in fact, closed primary tactics in the general election. And that, my friends, is the problem. All right, we're going to continue. We we didn't even get beyond this, but I really wanted to focus on that because again, I think we'll look back on this day and this will this will be the outcome. People will realize this is because Palin and Baggage were doing nothing but just grinding on each other for weeks. And Mary Peltola was just nice and sweet and she always had a smile on her face and I mean, this is how to win friends and influence people right here in the flesh. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio.
If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, let me get back to where you guys are talking about stuff. What was I? Mm. Um, okay. Um, Laura says in the chat room in regards to the library thing, my mother was a librarian. She fought to keep Judy Bloom books in the middle school library back in the 70s. I agreed with age appropriate. A compromise was made in our small town with a simple slip that parents signed to allow their kids to check them out. We live in a different world. Banning books can be a slippery slope. I'm not for banning books. I agree with you. I think you're right. Those, those books should be in the library. But they should be in their own age-appropriate section or, you know, even a different section and maybe, like you said, the permission slip or something like that. I, I don't think that, you know, Knowledge or even uh, ideas that you disagree with don't shouldn't be excluded from the library. That's what makes that's what makes it a library. Um, we must rid ourselves of rank choice voting. Um, uh, Jerica says that nothing that I said made her made her believe that they would not run together on a ticket. Uh, Dukes was talking about if DeSantis ran against Trump. No, no, I was talking about as a team. They'll never run together as a team. You will. I. I will bet you real dead American presidents that um, that DeSantis will never that they will never be on a team together because, again, that's not what Trump does. He does not put a dynamic, charismatic person on his team to overshadow him. He just doesn't do it. It's just not it's not in his it's not his way. Um. All right. <clears throat> Thought it was a joke when Trump first ran for president. Trump would not let anyone else run against him, and it would be a massive loss for the Republicans because they're tired of the whole thing. And my guess is that they won't vote Republican. Yes, I think that's I think that's true. Um, let's see. Um, for those who think Trump's didn't help in the background, you're wrong. Trump had 220 wins, 17 losses in the election back. Okay. Um, uh, Kendall's cheat is going to work, says, uh, says Greg. Kendall, Scott Kendall's cheat is going to work. That's the Murkowski rank. But look at how close it was. I mean, that's the thing. Go back to, where was this screen? Uh, right, no, right, right here. Go back to this uh, and, and look at this. Uh, look at how close this is. Th- this right here. Look at how close this is. And it's only because of the 10% for Pat Chesbro. That's how close it was, even with ranked choice voting. Right? I mean, yes, this is the only reason why uh, Murkowski is going to win is because of ranked choice voting. But look at how close it was. Um, and do you think this next round of dysfunction of the legislature is going to do anything positive for the people like repealing? I'm not saying that they're going to be interested in it. I'm saying we need to face it. We need to fight it. And who knows? Maybe we will have enough help and support. I mean, because people were watching this ranked choice voting election. Again, remember, Alaska was the cheap date. That was the test bed. They were seeing how this was going. And I think a lot of people outside, a lot of the big politicos and maybe some of the party people, 
saw what happened. And I expect to see some money coming into the state here in the future that is going to be anti-ranked choice voting coming from outside because they just they failed. They failed to notice how big a deal this was going to be on our legislative process. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, uh, Mary is actually pretty conservative, pro-oil, pro-business. She isn't a follower. Okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> which is, which is Palin and Begage's fault. I, again, I, I fully laid, uh, I, I fully laid the, uh, the blame for this at the feet of Begage and Palin. I, I really do. Again, tearing into each other at every opportunity. Yeah, it just didn't. It it doesn't make doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, somebody should have stepped down. Quite honestly, Palin should have just never gotten into the race. Uh, Begich was already there. He already had six months behind him of putting the rubber to the road and doing all that stuff. Uh, but again, Palin's ego is run unchecked, and she needed a she needed another, um, you know power stroke or pat on the back or whatever it was. And she just couldn't possibly see that this was bad, but you know, it is what it is. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, like I said last week, I need a break from the stupidity of politics. (laughs) Hey, it's almost time for vacay. That's all I can say. I always look forward to my December vacay. I am so close so close. Um, sales tax is the only way to be all inclusive. Look at Florida and now just done it. There's no income tax, says Gary. Uh, okay. And Charlie is talking about the library. Charlie, maybe when we open up the phone lines later, you can tell us about that. I'd be interested to hear what was going on. All right, we got to go. I'm behind in the comments, but it is what it is. Let's get to it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Right. Well, let's continue here, shall we? Discussions. Uh, we were talking about the different uh, races going on around the state and the new numbers that just came out. Uh, some interesting, uh, some interesting things that happened. Uh, of the of all the elections, the one that popped up uh, over um, the one that popped up over the fifty percentile mark would be the uh, race for um uh would be the race uh, up in the interior um it is i'm looking for the sorry i'm looking for so many windows open uh oh uh scott kawasaki in uh, senate seat p he has made it past the 50 percent threshold so he now has 50.87 percent of the vote in senate seat p if that holds he will not have to go through the ranked choice process again uh, against Jim Matherly. But that's a tenuous lead. That's a tenuous lead right now. Uh, it could swing back the other way. I don't know. 
I, I just don't know. Uh, I know that it's going to be close. And the question is, of course, in any race like that, when uh, things are running in that direction, the question will be um, how many uh, of the voters in the uh, – um, you know, how many of the voters in the other side are going to swing in that other direction? Uh, we're looking, if we look at the, uh, we look at the n- number here, um, in Senate P Scott Kawasaki, uh, with 4,100 votes, Jim Matherly with 3,500 votes, 517 votes for Alex Jaffra. Uh, so even if, even if, all of Jaffer's votes went to Matherly right now. That's only 3,900 votes. He's still short. So how many more, how many more, um, you know, absentee ballots are there? They're probably, probably not enough. Probably not enough in that regard. Uh, Dunleavy has again solidified that 51 percentile. He's remained over 51 percent for pretty much the entire time. On election night, they were at 51.73 percent. With the latest tally coming in, um, he is at 51.04 percent. So remaining above that four percent, uh, 51 percent fresh uh, threshold for the entire time. So pretty much, pretty pretty much assured at this point that Dunleavy is going to uh, just cruise to victory with no second round of rank choice voting. Uh, but again, uh, Mary Peltola, uh, uh, Lisa Murkowski, Kelly Shabaka, uh, these are going to be the races to watch uh, as we go through this. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, those were the those were the major. Um, upsets in many of the races. Um, again, we look at it for uh, down in the um, down in the uh, different races uh, in the uh, key races in the House races, and we're seeing that ranked choice voting also is showing gains for many of the candidates in the House races. Donna Mears, the Democrat, is now leading against Forrest Wolf. Uh, by 78 votes for an open uh, East Anchorage House seat. She had been behind by 135 votes from election night, but she has seen more and more mail-in ballots, by-mail ballots, um, take her to the lead, which is exactly the same thing that happened back in August. Uh, Fairbanks Democrat Maxine Dibbert uh, increased her lead to 49% of first-choice votes against Bart LeBon and Kelly Nash. She could... Potentially, depending on how many of these, uh, how many of these uh, um, uh, races, or excuse me, how many of these ballots are coming in from more rural areas, she could flip that blue, and it could be a complete and total um, again washout where it won't matter if any of Kelly Nash's voters uh, ranked Bart Lebon second because she is that close to. Uh, to uh, flipping it over the 50 percentile mark. It could be just Maxine Dibbert, um, you know, for the win at the 50 percentile mark. Again, begging the question about how many times do we need to see multiple, because in all the races, in all the races in ranked choice voting, there were very few races that had multiple Democrats. There were a handful of races that were only Democrats, but there were very few races where there were multiple Democrats facing off against a single Republican. 
But there were lots of races where there were multiple Republicans facing off against a single Democrat. And we're seeing some of that. We're seeing some of that come back. Andy Josephson has widened his lead against Kathy Hensley and now currently has 52% of first choice votes. Um, Josephson is 215 votes ahead of Kathy Hensley. Uh, after leading uh, by 86 votes from election night. And that is, um, uh, let me get, uh, let me see what I can come up with. Here we go. Uh, House District 13. Uh, So it's a difference of about 200 votes, Uh, just over 200 votes. Andy Josephson directly against Kathy Hensley, uh, 51.98% to 47.91%. Out of 5,400 votes, he is 200 votes ahead right now. And it looks like that will probably be the final number by the time it's all said and done. David Nelson is staying steady with 43% of the uh, vote in the Northeastern Anchorage House seat ahead of Cliff Grow, but Cliff Grow and Lynn Franks between the two of them have 56% of the vote. So enough of Lynn Frank's supporters rank Cliff Grow. He could come in to win from behind. And this is, again, one of those few districts where we saw um, where we saw uh, Democrats running against a Republican. In this case, it worked out well for them because Nelson was directly ahead. Now Cliff Grow can count on the support of Lynn Frank's votes to push him over the top of for victory. Looks like Cliff Grow is going to be uh, uh, the latest uh, House representative from District 18. That's the that's what it looks like right now. Uh, Denny Wells increased his lead of first choice votes against uh, Tom McKay and Danny Ibeck. This is the other way around. One Democrat with two Republicans. Now, as long as Denny Wells doesn't receive the 50 percentile hit that that cutoff, McKay could come back potentially with the help of the second place votes from Danny Ibeck, who is another Republican. We'll, we'll, have, we'll have to see what happens there. And then finally, the lower hillside uh, house seat with Walter Featherly getting up to 45% against Republican Julie Columbe, and uh, who had 39%, and Ross Beeling, another Republican, uh, with 15%. So, again, the potential here for Ross Beeling's elimination and those votes, if people rank the red, going to Julie Columbia, she could come out of that Senate seat. But this thing is just, I mean, it's a hot, hot, hot mess. Hot mess. You're not, I mean, it's almost, like I said, it's almost depressing when it comes down to it in the end. Um, all right. So, in the next hour, we're going to open up the phone lines and we'll, we'll talk about your thoughts on the race results. We'll talk with you about um, what you potentially think could be uh, happening with the Charter of Changes. You know, what any changes that you may think uh, make sense to the Charter of Changes. Because like I said, I'm looking for some ideas because what we're, what we're doing is not working. And we need, to, uh, we, need to, we need to change it. We need to figure it out. So whatever it is, I'm going to be open to your suggestions. And uh, we'll also talk about, well, whatever you want to talk about. If you want to talk about the library stuff down at Homer, we could talk about that as well. Um, or whatever. Whatever. I'm so articulate this morning. Whatever.
it's a descriptor. All right. Well, that takes us up to the uh, takes us up to the top of the hour. So we're going to do that coming up on tomorrow's program. Elijah Verhagen is going to come in and visit with us, and Elijah um, has got some thoughts on what we need to be doing between now and the next election cycle. He's been putting a lot of thought into this since election day, and he wants to talk with us about that tomorrow. Uh, We were going to have the shower hour of power today, but since there's no organization yet, um, Mike wants to wait until after the organizational announcements have been made, and then we can discuss how the sausage is made. That's going to be fascinating. Fascinating. All right, out of time. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, are you aware of the concerned conservative of Alaska effort on Saturday, right? Asked Christine. No, I'm not aware of the concerned conservative of Alaska concern. Oh, CCA concerned conservative. Sir, this is the CCA, the Mike, uh, this is the Mike Coons thing, right? Okay. Um, I, no, I'm not aware of the one this Saturday, but there you go. And the GOP encouraged Nick to stay in because they despise Sarah. Nick didn't pull the numbers that Sarah did over and over again. I don't like either one of them. Exactly. Uh, if it had, it has to end close. If it would blow out, they would question the cheat that much more. Hey, uh, Palin is meeting with the Freedom Caucus and our new chief of staff, Jerry Ward, will be collecting resumes for their office. I know. It's just, you know. Uh, Chris says he blames Republican voters. If they trashed both their candidates and supported Chris by, there would not be a Democrat elected. That's true. It's true. (laughs) Hashtag vote libertarian. Um, um, All right. Uh, Alaska. Let's see. We're paying. uh, Scott is over 50 percent. There isn't any distribution if they exceed 50 percent. Um, yeah, I know. We've been talking about that all morning. Good morning, Harold. Would you like another cup of coffee? This is what we've been talking about all morning. Um, how about some good news? (laughs) Says Craig. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you on that one. What happened to finding out who won the night of elections? We're just going down the wrong road, said Carrie. Um... My friend called and said the ads down in Nevada, where they were, they just voted in ranked choice voting down there, highlighted how well it was working in Alaska. I told you, we're the test bed. We're the cheap date test bed for that kind of stuff. Um, after grinding through the numbers that the Alaska task force presented, it seems pretty clear that the D's are more prone to mail in and or vote absentee. Yep. Um... Dead people and non-residents can't really show up in person. Um, Nevada adapted ranked choice. Is this true? I believe it was. I believe that that was one of the things. They had an initiative like we did here, funded, my understanding is, funded by some of the same dark money groups that funded the one here. Um, uh, 
according to Ben Carpenter, the holdup is the Federal Voter Rights Act. Uh, oh, my pig is about to have piglets, long-term bacon storage. I, start, I had dinner last night, and it's been, like I said, I've been talk, I've lost my sense of taste and smell a little bit. And But last night, for some reason, whatever it was in the food, I could taste it a little bit. Oh, it was so good. So good when you can taste food. Oh, man. And now I just want bacon. Bacon, that's right. Um, <clears throat> did someone give you a wedgie? Did someone give, just give you a wedgie with your super underoos? Oh, I think he's talking to Brian because Brian was talking about his super underwear, his high-performance underwear. Um, uh, oh, yes, Mike Kuhn, CCA meeting at 10 a.m. at the Real Life Church in the Palmer Wasilla Highway. Yes, we did talk about that last week. Thank you, Tony. Um, um, Kuhn Kuhn's for Sally Craigslist. Um uh, Interesting that you don't choose winning candidates to give analysts. Seems like they might have a realistic finger on the pulse of. Interesting that you don't choose winning candidates. I'm not sure exactly what C. Jill is saying here. Interesting that you don't choose winning candidates to give analysts. Seems like they might have a realistic finger on the pulse of Alaska politics. So I don't know exactly what you're trying to say there. Feel free to clarify that. Um, I don't know exactly what you're saying there. There we go. Um, well, folks, it's going to get get worse before it gets better. Didn't we say that before? Um, ranked choice voting, Rob Myers clarifies for me. Ranked choice voting is passed in Nevada, but they're passing it as a constitutional amendment. Their rule is that they have to pass it in two consecutive elections. Uh, okay. Uh, analysis. Uh, CJ, let me go back here and reread that as analysis. Interesting. You don't have choose winning candidates to give analysis. I don't choose winning candidates. I, I didn't choose any of, I guess, are you saying to bring them on to give analysis as to why they won? I, I don't know exactly what, still what you're saying there, uh, Jill, but that's uh, that's okay. Um, all right, so look at that. I caught I caught I caught up I caught up on the thing. Saw some coon coons for sale on Craigslist for like 150 dollars each the other day. I don't know what a coon coon is. Is that some kind of piglet, Michael? Michael on, on YouTube has been talking about. Making, making bacon, making bacon, making bacon pancakes, pancakes, making bacon pancakes, bacon pancakes. Ooh, man, now I want me some bacon pancakes. Harold, uh, <laughs> wow. Harold's like, bacon really isn't healthy for you. Shut up. I mean, who cares? Neither is breathing or pizza or chlorine and water. For you, I mean, whatever it is, it's not good for you. I'm sure. Bacon really isn't healthy for you. I don't care. Nobody, <laughs> Jerica said, "Go drink your Folgers. We don't need that kind of negativity." I mean, this is a guy who drinks Folgers of all things. Oof! And you're telling me that bacon's not good for me? Okay. Okay. Just whoa, whoa, whoa! Step back over to your Folgers pot, buddy. I don't think you know. I don't think you know what's good at this point. No. 
Oh, we got to love it. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show. Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet. Um, That is the interwebs. And around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is the Michael Dukes Show. You know, uh, I got yapping with the crowd in the Facebook chat room because we're on Facebook and we're on YouTube. In case you didn't know as well, we simulcast the radio show there. And I got yapping with those people. Uh, Those people. They're great. I love them. Um, And I forgot to turn the phones on. So I'm going to turn the phones on here. And again, I'm trying not to blow everybody's ears out because sometimes there's a little bit of the the stuff. So five seconds. Hold hold the line for just a second. Okay. I fixed it. I didn't blow out anybody's ears. I thought I thought everybody's ears were going to bleed for a second, but we got it. We got it. I should have done it during the break, but I didn't. So now here we are. All right. Oh, okay. So we're going to open up the phone lines for this uh, hour of the program because, uh, well, we can. And I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. We were talking about some of the analysis, and I've gone through most of the analysis of the important, I guess, races uh, that are coming in from last Because last night there was a data dump. Last night there was a data dump, and we got a, uh, we got a new batch of uh, analysis from the Division of Elections. Uh, and not much change, but there's a few. So, I mean, we just went over it. If you want to go back and listen to it on the podcast, you can, and, uh, and we'll look, we'll look, we'll look. Uh, at it. Meanwhile, I want to say thank you to our friends over there at Satellite West. Uh, you can find them at SatelliteWest.com. And it doesn't matter if you're in Chickaloon or Chicken, Cantwell or Cordova. <laughs> I'm going to do this every time, aren't I? doesn't matter where you are. You can stay in contact with the help of your friends over there at Satellite West, no matter which town or community begins with the letter C in the state of Alaska, you will always be connected with Satellite West to the Iridium Satellite Network. Good for telephone calls and text messages, surfing the internet at emails, whatever it is, Satellite West has got you covered. We want to say a special thank you to them, Satellite West, proud sponsors of The Michael Duke Show. Thank you for being part of it. 
And so the phone lines are open this morning right now at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. We've just put one line on hold. We'll get to you here in just a hot second. If you want to sound off about anything this morning, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, One of the things that I'd like to discuss a little bit later this hour is potential changes. Because if you were listening yesterday, you heard me throw out the crazy idea that maybe because the whole cuts-only scenario that we've been talking about on this program for years is just, it's not going anywhere. So I thought maybe we should just go 180 degrees radical the other way and we should advocate for an income tax, a flat, some kind of flat tax to get everybody to have skin in the game. Maybe that's what it's going to take. If we did a flip-flop 180 on this and said, fine, you want to spend more money? Great. But we want to tax, and we want it to tax everyone. Maybe that would make a difference. Of course, that raised a lot of ire, as I knew it would. But it was a talking. It was a. It was a discussion. I wanted to throw it out on the table. Let's bat it around and discuss it. And uh, so maybe um, we could. uh, Maybe we need to make some changes to the charter of changes. Maybe that's what needs to happen. Yes, this program brought to you by the letter C for Cantwell today. All right, let's uh, go over and uh, see what you guys have to say this morning to start off uh, fresh with some phone calls because I'm feeling it uh, this morning. Uh, We'll go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Ray from North Pole. Good morning, Ray. What's on your mind? Well, when Galen jumped into the race, it was on the national news that uh, she had been given a large donation from the DNC to run in Alaska. And I think that, that was a Democrat's plan all along, just like uh, Jaffe running against Matherly and Fairbank was there hoping for bullet votes so they could split the votes and the Democrats could steal the election. I don't recall Democrats and, contributing to Palin. Was that... Are you saying a national Democrats? Is that what you're that saying? That was on national news. And uh, Jaffe came out last week after the election and said that he was his election was paid for by the Alaska Democratic Coalition, and he was paid to run against Matherly, and they were hoping for bullet votes so they could split the votes, and uh, and. Uh, the Democrat could win. And I think that was their plan all along with this right and choice voting was to split the votes and hoping for voters, which they got a lot of, and the Democrat could squeeze in. I, uh, I, Alex was, uh, was in the chat room, has been in the chat room the last few days. And, um, he has not said anything about being – I mean, he said he had hoped he would win against Jim, but he did not say anything about being um, paid for by the Democrats or being paid to run for office because uh, that's not necessarily legal. But, well, I mean, where did you – Well, see? I don't think anybody's looking at the big picture, but it was uh, on the news last week, and uh, it was on the news when Palin jumped in the race, national news. So I don't think people are looking at the big picture and, and connecting the dots. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you that that was the intent of ranked choice voting was to split the vote and to dilute the pool and to put the more moderate or the smarter, uh, you know, the smarter playing uh, moderates or Democrats in there. 
But uh, I, I don't disagree with that. I just was questioning whether or not somebody had actually funded um, the Republican candidates with Democratic money. I'll have to go back and look for that story um, for Palin receiving money from the Democrats. I think that would have been headline news for quite a while if that was the case. Yeah, and then they goaded her into running. Yeah. All right. Well, and uh, that was their plan all along. Thank you, Ray. Uh, I appreciate you. It, as as far as Trump jumping in the race, yeah, he was the best president Alaska ever had. And there was a lot of commentators, they won't mention any names, who said, "Well, I voted for Trump, but I held my nose." And to those people, I say, "Okay, well." I didn't vote for Trump, so there you go. I guess I get the same treatment. Um, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for calling in, Ray. Uh, All right. Uh, Your thoughts on this or anything else we've been talking about this morning, 907-433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? How are you doing? This is Richard. I'm from Fairbanks. Good morning, Richard. What's on your mind, sir? Well... Man, I wish uh, Sarah Palin or Nick Bag is one of those two would have been a patriot dropped out of that race. Putting that vote was the worst thing they could have done, and it was that is no good for the country. The, I mean, that's the truth, right? I mean, first and foremost, I guess this is what I saw as I watched this thing unfold. Right after Don Young died, and I was like, "Oh man, there's going to be a scramble here." Um, but I saw that, I mean, this is, this is how I looked at it. You tell me what you think, Richard. I watched Nick Beggage had already put his own money in. He'd already been on the campaign trail for six or seven months. But prior to that, he had a pretty good following to begin with, and he was gaining momentum. Um, and then after the death of Don Young, you know, we started to see these different discussions and we saw all these different candidates that, you know, plied in there. And then Sarah Palin jumped in and I thought, the especially based on the fact that she wasn't running in Alaska. She was like running outside. She was running, going to these big rallies and everything else. And I thought, this is crazy. Here's a guy who's flying all over the state of Alaska uh, in a small plane going, you know, from place to place, village to village, town to town. And she's whining and dining on the jet set. She's not in this really to win it. She was in it for the publicity. And it was breaking my heart that that was happening because, like you said, she, you know, somebody should have bowed out. Now, I don't think it was baggage personally, but I mean, what do you think? Am I am I wrong? No, you're 100 percent right on about. Um, you know, he was chasing fame the whole time after you know that election with McCain, and she had left us. She went to go do her own thing. Baggage stayed here, put his blood, sweat, and tears into it. So yeah. I'm with you 100% on that thought. But I think Baggage's misstep, um, along with Palin's second misstep, was then to open up the floodgates and just start tearing into each other. If they had both held hands and kumbaya and said, we don't care which one of us you vote for, just vote for the, sec- the other one second, and here's why we're both better than Mary Peltola. If they had done that, if they had highlighted how that she's got a beautiful smile and she's a lovely person, but here's her policies that are bad. If they had done nothing but just attack her policies and uh, and you know and held hands together, 
one of them would be the would be the new congressperson. But instead, they just laid into each other. It, it's in, it, it was just insane. We got to be long lost twins. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Separated at birth, you and me, Richard. All right, thank you for uh, thank. Don't tell my mom. My mom will be yeah, upset. One, okay, one more, one more real quick point would be um, nationally. You know, I mean, the Trump and the Palin era was fun while it lasted, but we got to move on. Oh, I I agree. I think that the Trump era, um, as shocking as it was, and as many changes as it may have uh, wrought in the political system, um, I think you're starting to see the fatigue from that. I think the I think these elections are a reflection of the fatigue of some of the Trumpian politics, and I think it's time to move on. I agree. I agree with you. So, uh, again, All right, man. Have a good day. separated at birth. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate your call. 907-433-3150. Over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Jeremy and Christina. Good morning, Jeremy. What's on your mind, sir? Well, you know, there's still going to be a primary, and I hope that uh, someone like Christy Noem or Maybe Tulsi Gabbard or the Rand Pauls will step up to run against Trump because I, too, have Trump fatigue. I want him to go away already. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think uh, DeSantis, I think uh, Tulsi, somebody, somebody, I think somebody said the other day, what about a DeSantis Gabbard ticket? And I thought, wow, that would be interesting to say the least. Oh, I mean, that would pull that would pull the country yeah, together on both sides. Awesome. Yeah. We'll see if they're going to step up again or not. Yeah. My, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, no, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how this all plays out. Um but uh, you knew this was coming. I mean, you knew this was an this was an eventuality that this was coming. Uh, it is it is again surprising though that more people aren't uh, just kind of throwing their hands up in the air over this. Jeremy, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Um, let's see. I got one. I got one uh, line on hold, and but we're going to take a break. So caller, hold the line for a second. We'll be right back to you. And we will continue. It is the Michael Duke Show. Charter of Changes. What changes do you think that we need to make to the Charter of Changes? We'll have that discussion up next. And we'll take some more phone calls because that's fun. I enjoy that. Tomorrow on the program, Elijah Verhagen is going to be joining us to talk about uh, what he thinks needs to happen between now and the next election cycle. Maybe some post-election analysis. Somebody said, why don't you get Click Bishop on? He's the winner. Well... If I could get Click Bishop on the program, Click Bishop's not going to come on this program. Gary Stevens is not going to come on this program. Bert Stedman's not going to come on this program. I can guarantee you, they won't like the questions we asked. All right, we're going to be, we're going to go. We're going to read back in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Uh, we got one line on hold. Let's talk to them real quick, get their name and where they're calling from, and uh, see, uh, we'll put them back on hold. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Michael. It's Dan from Homer. Hello, Dan from Homer. You want to hold the line, my friend? We'll be right back at you, okay? Thursday? All right. Dan is now on hold. He's cooling his heels. Why won't Bishop come on the show? Why won't Murkowski come on the show? Why wouldn't Don Young come on the show? Um, Because I asked questions that made them uncomfortable. Because I don't treat politicians like they're rock stars where, oh, we'll never ask you a question that makes you you uncomfortable. We wouldn't want that. Um, And because coming on their program will not further their own cause or their own goals. They don't want to be accountable. Well, I mean, they don't want to be accountable to that. I sent out a uh, I sent out a uh, interview offer to every to every to every politician who filed for every person who filed for election. Hundred and twenty seven emails to various candidates. Anybody that put an email address in with their candidate packets, I reached out to their campaigns and sent them an email and, and, and invited them on the show. Sarah Palin didn't come, Click Bishop, Doug Massey. Um, you know, I mean, I just I can go through the whole list of people that never even bothered to reply because they don't want to. They don't like tough questions. They get pissy when you ask them tough questions. Seen it in the past. Uh, again, my hat's off to people like Les Guerra, who came on the program and not only came on once, wanted to come on again. Les, good guy. Uh, Bill Willikowski, good guy. Andrew Gray, good guy. Now, don't agree with them. Don't agree with them politically, but they were willing to come on and answer questions. Pretty tough when uh, you're, you know, people from your own political persuasion, right? So-called conservatives won't come on the program, but the Democrats and the progressives, they'd love to come on the program and talk to you. Um, and Trump never voted for him, but I enjoyed watching him upset. The, this is Laura, uh, Layla, sorry. Uh, Layla says, and Trump never voted for him, but I enjoyed watching him upset the apple cart, which was needed. He did that. And now he should step back and allow the rebuilding to occur. But he won't, so politics isn't going to save us. Laying some beans and firewood, we're going to need them. Yeah, that's uh, this is true. This is true. Um, uh, okay, what else we got here? Um, Democrat, Democrats did fo- fund a lot of Republicans in the primaries, hoping to pick shot at GOP candidates that would be rejected by the general voters. They succeeded, and now here we are. Yeah, no, there were some big highlighted stories about how some of the more fringe candidates were uh, across the country were supported by big Democratic donors and big, uh, you know, PACs, Democratic PACs. Um, and it worked. I mean, again, this is the whole this is why Republicans had a closed primary in the state of Alaska, because this is what used to happen. Democrats would because they only put up one candidate anyway. They didn't need to vote in their own primary. They jump into the Republican primary and they would vote for the more fringe or less centralist uh, candidate on the Republican side so that that was who ended up in the general against the Democratic candidate. That's why Republicans closed their primary. 
That's exactly why it happened. The same kind of shenanigans at a smaller level. Whatever comes next, we should all realize that the go-along-to-get-along Republicans like Lisa and many others are not serving any of us. Every one of them has been here for 10, 20 to 30 years and need to be removed. Yes. Um, uh, Jeff Landfield had Lisa on. He had Walker and Guerra and Dunleavy. Dunleavy tried to block Jeff, Jeff out of the press corps. Yeah, I know. Jeff Landfield has had uh, – he had uh, – he had Doug Massey. Who was on? It was Doug Massey, Kathy Geisel, and uh, Bert Stedman on the night of the elections. <laughs> of course, they all got on there to talk with Landfield because, you know, friendly. Uh, all right. Getting back into it. Here we go. Again, one line on hold. Let's go. And we'll see uh, what you got to say. Let's jump into it. Okay, sorry. Let's uh, continue, shall we? Maybe we'll have some thoughtful discussion here on the Charter of Changes here in a second, but Dan is down in Homer. We wanted to give Dan a chance to uh, sound off and uh, see what he had to say. Good morning, Dan. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, Michael. Hey, uh, just real quick. I was down at that... uh... I was at the meeting last night regarding the uh, library in Homer. Yes. Um, I kind of went into the situation. I wasn't really for or against it. Um, I kind of wanted to hear what everybody's thoughts on it were. So I kind of went into it in the middle. Um, Basically, for those who don't know, there was 40 or so books that were of a LGBTQ nature found in the, uh, that were placed in the children's section. Uh, Half the town thought that that was appropriate. The other half did not think it was appropriate. Um, so from the left side, uh, the one, the couple observations that I made. From the LGBTQ side, nobody that really made an argument could make an argument as to why books of a I mean, sexual nature are good to have in a children's section. So nobody from the, the left or the LGBTQ side could a- actually sit de- stated why it was good to have those sorts of books in the children's section. But what they did state was how having not having those books in the children's section would affect not necessarily the kids, but how it would affect the adult LGD- LGBTQ uh, community here down, down here in Homer. So it was a pretty... Poor argument, to say the least. Right. Uh, but conversely, on the coming from the right or the more conservative side, their arguments weren't any better because nobody really had a coherent thought as to why they shouldn't be there. Um, me personally, you know, coming away from it, I think that any book of a books of a sexual nature uh, don't belong in children's sections. Uh, that's a. I feel like that's something that that's a conversation. A child's adult, uh, a child's parent should have with them right. at the appropriate time, you know, and that appropriate time might be different for everybody. Um, I know uh, I have a sister who's part of the LGBTQ community, and she knows better to come at, you know, if we're having a debate, and she knows better than to come at me with a debate uh, regarding children with something better than 
how it makes her adult community feel. So she she would come at me with a better argument than, well, well if you take these books out of here, it's going to make the adults in this community sad. Like, well, we're not talking about the adults here. We're talking right. about kids. Exactly. Um, so I just want to give everybody a little bit of insight. Maybe they could go uh, uh, check out what's going on in their own libraries in their own respective towns to uh, make sure there's nothing that they disagree with or just to, you know, just kind of put, put a light on it and maybe when their their kids are wandering through looking for, you know, the, the next, the latest and greatest Berenstain Bears book that they don't come across something that they deem inappropriate. Right. Well, I mean, I'm in agreement with you, Dan. I mean, look, um, if you, you know, having those books in the library, fine, but they don't belong specifically in the children's sections. Anything of a sexual, a sexual orientation, you know, alternative lifestyles, whatever you want to call it, anything of that nature doesn't need to be in the in the hands of the kids there directly where they can just wander in and pick it up. Um, you know, that that again needs to be a conversation between the parents and the children. Uh so having them there is not a problem. Having them directly in the children's section is the problem. And yeah, you're right. The argument of, well, this makes the adults feel uncomfortable or left out or whatever, that that doesn't matter. That 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 we're talking about the children here, right? And so leave them in the. Yeah, I'm not saying. Exactly. Ba- I'm not it's saying. It's really just a situation of. This isn't about you. You're the adult. Yeah, exactly. Grow up. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, again, don't don't ban them. Don't burn them. Don't do anything. Leave them in the library. Just put them in the adult section or put them in a separate section. Um, I think that that makes no, that absolutely. makes more sense in the long run. All right, Dan. Well, thank you for holding and thank you for sounding off and reporting on that. I was curious. I mean, it it's made quite a splash in the state, so it's interesting to see how this is going to be handled. They they didn't make a decision that night, right? Last night, right? Um, I only stayed for about an hour and a half. Uh, the, the arguments were from both sides were so poor that it was just becoming. It, it just kind of became annoying. Really, it was just. Everybody was just spitting talking points, but nobody was ever nobody really addressed how having this sort of stuff affects children. Like, right? No, it I, was it was kind of frustrating, really. Well, uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what the long term effects are of this and what what the decision is. But I agree with you. You've got to have a cohesive argument, and I think you just made it. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Dan, for calling in this morning. Let's go over here to the next call and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Mike, this is Charlie Frams down in uh, Homer. Hey, Charlie. Yeah, I went to that meeting last night, too, and the thing that bothered me about the whole deal was that there was an article or two articles in the newspaper last week and headline on the side that was for keeping the books in the children's section was banning books corrodes diversity and inclusion in our community. And so the argument from most of the people that were pro-keeping the books last night was that we were trying to ban books. (laughs) Right, of course. When I spoke to the group, the board, the library advisory board, I told them that it was not about banning books. I didn't want to ban books. They could have any book they wanted to have in the library, but as you said, that we need to have those segregated into a section where parents can, if the kids have questions about stuff, the parents can go and say, here's a resource. I can get a book. I may not have a hard time having a conversation with you about this issue, but here's a book that explains it that uh, 
we can talk about the book and we can discuss the issues and ideas that are in the book. Right. And and that the library people have a responsibility to help parents be able to do that. And that it's just like we rate movies, we rate TV shows and stuff. If parental guidance advised or there's violence or there's nudity or whatever, and you can make a choice whether you want to watch that or not watch that. Right. Or have your kids watch it or not watch it. And that was all we were asking for in the petition, but it got turned into this thing that we want to ban books. Right. Well, because that's the biggest headline grabber. Was, that's the biggest That's the biggest uh, headline grabber of them all. I mean, it's even uh, KTUU quoted uh, uh, quoted uh, uh, Madeline Velstra, who was the gal that originally started the petition, and she said she didn't want to remove the books from the library. Just put them in a designated section, like you said, to be a resource for people. But that's not, of course, how they read it. They they reported that, oh, you're looking to ban books and burn the books and, and, and out all these. Again, the most negative connotation that the news media can come and find out with, that's what they're trying to put forward. And, and my concern with the whole issue is that this was another example or another situation where the progressives came out in full force. We've, there must have been probably, oh, I would say eight to ten people speaking for keeping the books in the children's section to those who were saying don't keep them in the children's section. It was, it was really unfortunate that, that all of the activists come out and push this stuff, and the conservatives who want to maintain our culture and some reasonableness about how we operate as a society sit home and don't, don't get involved, don't speak up. And we've got, it's just like your charter of changes, we've got to make some changes if we're going to keep our country as a good place to live. Yeah. Well, and again, I think <clears throat> I agree with what Dan was saying, that these discussions are something that parent, that children need to be having with their parents. And if it's a tool that they can go and check it out, like they, like you said, and, and have a conversation with their parents about it, that's the perfect opportunity. Uh, it's not taking the books out of the library. It's just making sure that those kind of sensitive topics are covered in a more appropriate manner and uh, the kids just, you know, aren't exposed or confused to that. Um, you know, you don't you don't see them putting a gun safety course uh, literature in the children's section either. Um, and because that would promote gun violence. But, you know, so, yeah, so we need to we need to have a little common sense on this. I agree. Thank you for the forum and for doing what you do, Mike. Appreciate you calling in, Charlie. Thank you for uh, being part of it today. Um, all right. Well, that clears out all the lines right now. And so I guess uh, this is where we get a chance to chat just a little bit uh, about uh, the Charter of Changes, um, which uh, you know we've talked about on this program for the last oh, three, four years. We've been talking about <clears throat> the Charter of Changes and whoops, uh, let me get the right uh, let me get the right screen there. Uh, the Charter of Changes are the four things that I thought we could do to kind of make a difference in the state of Alaska. You know what we could do to save Alaska for future generations. And it was change the players, meaning the legislators, change the venue, meaning moving it to the road system, uh, the legislative session. Changing the rules, which are the binding caucus and the conflict of interest rules in the Open Meetings Act, and then change the funding. 
Uh, yesterday, I threw out the idea that maybe we just needed to go full 180 on the direction we were going instead of saying no new spending, only cuts, yada, yada, yada. Maybe we needed to say, okay, fine, spend if you want, but uh, change the funding mechanism to uh, just a uh, – uh, to just a, a flat, uh, uh, you know, a flat tax, a flat, just a flat percentile income tax on everybody. Um, and, you know, I knew that 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 obviously is very contentious, but what we're doing is not working. So, I mean, it almost fits into there. When I said change the funding on Charter of Changes, what I meant in change the funding was that we should change the way that we build our budgets. but. We could make the change the funding be an advocation for a flat tax. Maybe that's what because what we're doing is not working, right? the 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 tact that we're taking right now is not a winning tact. N- nobody's paying attention to that. Just look at this last election and look at all the people that got elected. They're all more government spend people. That is the majority of the of the of the politicians that just got elected are, Let's increase the let's increase the government spend. And of course, to do that, they need to basically tap and destroy the permanent fund dividend. So I said, well, I mean, if the more equitable thing is to is to make everybody pay, then maybe we should just change tax. Just change tax and talk about somebody called it yesterday, the Michael Dukes tax. Yeah, let's just talk about the Mike. I don't know. I mean, maybe it won't work, but I do know that this is something that Hammond, that I have disagreed with him on in, not in practice, but in principle, like I'm, I'm, I taxation is theft. Okay. That's, that is a truth that I believe in, but Hammond was also not wrong when he said, don't take, when he said, you know, take away, don't take away all of the authority to tax because that's the sort of Damocles hovering over politicians' heads, that if they ran into a problem where they were overspending, then the percentile on that taxation would be turned back up and people would be up in arms because all of a sudden the government was spending more. But I I don't know, folks. I don't know. Is that, should we just go full 180? Should we just should we just turn around and just go, all right, we're with you. Tax us. Is that what we should do? I don't know. <laughs> what are your thoughts? What are some of the other changes that you think, or what changes do you think we should make to the charter of changes? I mean, we've changed the players out, right? I mean, with this last go around, we've changed out well over 50% of the players in the legislature since we first started having this conversation. So what do you think? 907-433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Randy, go ahead. Yeah, I think that a change that you could add to the Charter of Changes, now this is just for discussion purposes, would be to advocate for what I call the Hammond Bond, which is similar to the original 1980 statutory PFD, so we so that we could have two PFDs per year, and also to beef up the 1982, our currently used 1982-style PFD, with an expansion clause, which would get people motivated to try to trim other government services. And I know that you've called the my Hammond Bond idea 
kind of convoluted or complicated or something. And I think the first step is to at least for you anyway to just go to my website at the pfdbudget.com and just at least understand it. And if you still don't agree with it, that's fine. But I think you're just kind of um, discounting it just automatically, you know, because you're for the what you're for, you know, this original the um, 1982 statutory one. I understand that. But I think um, for discussion purposes, we should at least consider those ideas. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll throw it out there and see what other people think. I disagree with you. I don't think that's a change that we need. I think, again, we could just follow the law and it becomes more convoluted from there. But um, we'll see what other folks say. Thank you for your call, Randy. We got more lines on hold. We're going to uh, um, we're going to we're going to continue this discussion. Oh, even Politidic says, I've been saying for years, tax us and leave the PFD alone. Although I don't think that's really what would happen. I think they would tax us and take the PFD. I, I mean, it. I think that's inevitable at this point. We'll continue this discussion in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, um, let me go back over here to the phone lines, and uh, we got one person on hold. We'll get their name and where they're calling from, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be ready to return to them when we hit the radio again. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oops, I'm sorry, caller. I had you turned down. Who's this? Where I'm you... caller. I'm sorry. Say again. I'm sorry. I had you turned down for a second. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Sure, this is Sam from Fairbanks, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Oh, hey, Sam, thanks for calling in. You hold the line, my friend, and you will be number one with a bullet when we come back. You're going to be number one. Uh, looks like we've got a second call on hold, so let's get their name as well so that we can uh, figure out who that is. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. This is Bubba calling from North Pole. Good morning, Bubba. You hold the line, my friend. You will be number two in the queue behind Sam. Sam is in Fairbanks. Uh, so Sam in Fairbanks and Bubba in North Pole. We'll be talking to you guys here in just a hot second. Um, Politidic, I've been saying that for years. Tax us and leave the PFD alone. If the special interests truly believe their rhetoric, why they need the money, they should have no problem paying for it with their incomes instead of stealing it out of the pockets of children. And ideally, in an ideal world, that's what would happen. Unfortunately, I think what it'll be is it won't be either or. It will be both. They will tax us and they'll take the PFD. That's what they're, that's what they're, they're, you know, gonna, gonna be doing it. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Alaskans gave up their subsurface mineral rights with so the move to this state. Alaskans are already the most taxed people in the nation. Yes, you're not wrong. You are not wrong, uh, Harold. Um, scrolling backs. Uh, Gary says a flat tax is uh, a flat, ta- flat tax puts it on on just Alaskans. A sales tax hits all the tourists and visitors as well, just like Florida does. Uh, Jennifer says. Uh, if a tax is needed, do it like Texas. 8.25% sales tax. Then everyone pays. 
Uh, but again, the sales tax is regressive because it hits a lot of the consumables at a certain level. Um, I mean, that would be, I think, a viable second option, quite honestly. I would rather just see a flat tax on uh, on everybody in the state on incomes. That would catch a lot of the out-of-state folks as well, incomes coming in. But, I mean, again, is that even the answer? Is just going full tax the answer? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, wouldn't that be shocking to many people that all of a sudden that uh, here comes the 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 conservative slash Republican slash libertarian crowd saying, no, you know what? Go ahead and tax us. Go ahead and and create a we want a tax. Go ahead. They would be so confused. <laughs> they would be so confused at that point. They wouldn't know what to do. But, you know, hey, the other way isn't. Uh, <clears throat> The, the you know they, they the other way is not working so I don't know maybe that would be it. Um, a sales tax would prevent the formation of a new state jackbooted bureaucracy in the form of an internal IRS. The money from an income tax would go to form and grow our own IRS. There there is that, um, but it would be again simplified if it was just a flat tax on income, right? I mean, it wouldn't be you wouldn't need the full IRS. If you had, a, you know, if you had a progressive thing, yeah, you'd have to have the thing. But if it was just a flat tax on gross income, hmm? uh, a sales tax also passes that burden on down to the business owners who have to account for all that and everything else. There's a, there's a cost there, no matter what it is. Um, <clears throat> but anything, don't tax people that work. Tax people that buy. Are you saying that people that work don't buy? Devra, or is that what you're saying? People that. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't know. At this point, I'm just throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. That's all I'm doing. Uh, yeah. Look at the rock and the hard spot they put us in. PFD or tax or both. What a stinking mess. Light a match and torch it. We're done. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I just, at some point, you just got to be like, what we're doing is not working. So maybe this is, I mean. I, you know, the thing is, the PFD is going to be destroyed, right? I mean, look at the makeup of the people who are in the legislature or who are going to be coming into the legislature. I think it's pretty much a done deal at this point that the PFD is on its. This is this would be the last big PFD you ever get. And then what will happen, of course, is once the PFD is gone. Well, then they're going to have to talk about taxes of some kind anyway. Maybe we should get ahead of that power curve. Maybe we should get ahead of that discussion and head them off at the pass. Again, I would just love to see the look on the faces of these people if a bunch of us anti-tax people got up and said, you know what? No, we want to tax. Go ahead and tax us. Go ahead. (laughs) All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Uh, let's continue now our discussions, changes to the charter of changes, things that can be done, things we should talk about. 
Longtime listener, first-time caller, Sam is in Fairbanks. We want to say thank you to him for listening to the program, and thanks for calling in. What sparked uh, what sparked it today, Sam? What uh, what made you call? Well, I appreciate you taking my phone call. Um, thank you. And uh, you know, I'm just a small business owner here in Fairbanks, and I am vehemently against a income tax. I right. feel that we should take a look at other industries throughout the state. Um, perhaps the oil industry, fishing, or mining. A lot of those companies are owned by out-of-state people and entities, and they are not paying their fair share. We are the highest tax rate in the in the union, and adding more tax to a struggling economy, I feel, is is not the way forward. I think we need to tax uh, large out-of-state corporations before we tax individuals in the state. Well, here's the, and here's the balance. I mean, I'm not in disagreement with that either. I mean, I'm not in disagreement with looking at, I've been advocating for years that our mineral taxes should be modified, that it shouldn't be a net profit scheme, that instead it should be a severance tax based on, you know, pounds of raw material kind of thing. Uh, I agree with that. I mean, the fiscal policy working group said that there's, you know, three, four, five hundred million dollars still left on the table with the oil companies. I'm not against going out there and taking a look at that. But there's also a break even point, right? There's an there's a there's a a go no go point, Sam. As a business owner, if you had to come do business in a state where they started taxing you as an outside entity to a point to where it didn't become as profitable, you know, that would could restrict, you know, exploration and other things in the state as well. So there's a balance point there. Um, and so we, we got to find. Sure. It. But if we start taxing the, uh, the, the people, then they're going to also leave too. People are, there's going to be desensitized to moving to Alaska and increasing our population and building our economy. Well, I mean, again, you're right. There's a balancing of that, but we're all, here's the thing. We're already being taxed, right? I mean, first of all, there's the stealth tax yeah. we don't even see. All the resource money goes, 75% of it goes straight into the state coffers. We never see a dime of it pass through our hands, even though we're the resource owner. You know, then we get the tax on the PFD, where they're taxing our small percentage of the earnings of money that was already. So we're already seeing it. We're already the highest taxed in the nation. And so my question is, should the taxes be stealth taxes where we don't see them directly and so we don't really care about the size and scope of government right because that's how people are feeling like oh sure doesn't cost me anything sure buy that who's he what's sure build that uh, uh that uh football field oh sure get those diving boards sure do this program for whatever because i don't ever see it it doesn't hurt me that's fine because i never see it or should the taxes be above board where we can see them and any time somebody wants to talk about increasing spending you go whoa, whoa wait a second i'm already paying four percent of my income towards the state of Alaska. i don't want to pay any more you know i mean that was what oh, we should that's what hammond was talking about we should maybe yeah and i agree with that but i feel that we should still try to moderate any government spending and taxes i mean if we're hemorrhaging money from the state oh, yeah. and the only option is to then take it from the people, then I feel that we need to, a readjustment like you're suggesting. And, and I'm a, a longtime supporter of your ideas. And uh, I just really appreciate the time on the, on the air. And, uh, you know, Alaska is a hard place to live. We're filled with excellent people and a great community. And I feel that we need to continue to protect that yeah. and um, not tax people out of the state. Well, I agree. I agree. But I think that's what they're doing right now. 
But since the tax is a stealth tax, <laughs> right? I mean, since the tax is a stealth tax, we're seeing people leave because it's so hard to live here yeah. with the economy and everything else. But it's because the taxes, because, you know, they don't get the full PFD now to help them remain. They don't get to see those things. I mean, you're a business owner, and I, I'm just saying let's throw all the ideas on the table. So if not an income tax, what about a sales tax? I mean, you as a business owner, if you work with the public, you would have to then account for that. Would that be, you know, some people are saying, well, do a tax like they do in Texas, 8% in uh, sales tax. Would that be a better thing to you? Or, wh- wh- I mean, what do you I, think? I prefer sales tax. Yeah, because yeah. I, I can then moderate my own spending per my family. And if I can afford things, I can go buy them. If I can't afford things, I won't buy them. Right. But it should be my choice, right? This is America. I should be able to collect my money and then spend it where I feel, not necessarily get it cut out from under me. And then I'm scrambling every week to pay my bills. Well, there you go. All right. Well, thank you, Sam, for calling. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you calling into the program. Bubba is in North Pole. What do you think, Bubba? Good morning, Michael. Morning. Boy, um, the last caller had uh, echo going on in the phone. I hope this isn't happening here. Two points. Uh, First one, maybe we ought to consider Randy's... um, two permanent funds a year because then the state legislature would have two permanent funds to rob Trump instead of <laughs> just one. Give them, give them a challenge. But I am a true believer in sales tax, just like the last caller said. You can regulate your own spending. If you want to go to Walmart and buy your boy a pair of blue jeans for $14, you can, and 10% sales tax or whatever it is, It'd be a dollar forty cents tax. If you want to go to Nordstrom's and buy your daughter a pair of hundred dollar blue jeans with holes in them for a hundred bucks, well then you're going to pay ten dollar sales tax. But that's a choice you made, and they're still going to sell those holy blue jeans at Nordstrom's, and they're still going to sell jeans at Walmart. But don't go after the income from people. Right. Well, what do you, what back, what we, what do you say about the fact okay. that uh, that a sales tax is regressive. I mean, it disproportionately affects those in the lower income brackets because it takes a higher portion of the of their income out for, you know, normal consumables, uh, you know, things that, that we need every day that, you know, we say that there's a choice, but is there really a choice if your kids have got no genes? Is there really a choice? Well, as far as the level of genes that they wear, uh, some places they don't have sales tax on food items. Okay, you you got to have food to, to exist. Some places that don't have a sales tax on that. But, you know, at in King County in Washington State, they uh, they wanted to build a Safeco Field. Olympia right. did. And right. people in King County didn't want. And so Safeco Field people said, well, or Olympia people said, well, we'll pay for it. And you people in King County charge a extra half percent on your sales tax for fast food restaurants. I was paying instead of the eight point six, I was paying nine point or having nine point one percent, having to give to the extra half percent to the state of uh, Washington, and that was supposed to pay for Safeco Field. Well, when they finished Safeco Field, they were about hundred billion dollars over budget. And the owner said that they would cover that $100 billion over budget, okay, be- before they started building. And by the time they got to that point, 
not only had Olympia collected with that half percent in King County, not only had they collected their $300 million, they also collected $60 million more while it was still being constructed. And when they came to the owner and said, well, you owe us $100 million, they said, no, no, you guys have, you know, collected $60 million above the $300 million cost, so we don't owe you $100 million. And you know what? Today, they still have that tax going, and they've not only built Safeco, they've built another sure. uh, stadium. Yeah. So no. the tax doesn't go away. Yeah, but right. If, it, if you've got a sales tax, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Wasilla has done the same thing. They did the same thing with their with the Menard Center, and they did the same thing with the with the library. But there, fortunately enough, the 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 uh, the council members in the city of Wasilla were smart enough to sunset it, uh, and so they built those things, and then the tax got turned down. Because there's, like you said, there's always the danger that for some reason, once a tax is instituted, it never goes away unless you're smart enough to do it. Uh, in the beginning and, and put that sunset in there. I mean, there's, there's all these are all kinds of discussions that I think at this point we need to have because what we're doing is not working. And I don't know if we go full mental and say, yes, just give us a tax. Or if we just start having these conversations. I don't know. I, I wish I did. Bubba, thank you for your call. Folks, we're out of time tomorrow. Elijah Verhey going to be joining us in hour two talking about what he thinks we need to do for the next coming years. Maybe we'll have a guest in hour one as well. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will see you tomorrow. Be kind, live well, love one another. All right, my friends. I think this is an interesting discussion. Um, I think we definitely, like Sam said, we need to be looking at the severance taxes for the mineral taxes. We need to be looking at the oil company taxation structure. Maybe we need to look at the sales tax. Maybe a flat tax. What is it that we need to do? I mean, that's that's the problem. That is the problem. And that's the problem with somebody who says with the sales tax and the exemptions, that's part of the problem with exemptions. Too many exemptions and you take the teeth out of it, it doesn't make any money. So maybe, again, a flat tax. Just on a flat, you don't create a whole big bureaucracy. What is your gross income on the bottom line of your 1040 form? You pay 3% of that. Maybe that's it. That's pretty simple. You don't get a lot of exemptions. You don't get a lot of jacking around. I don't know. I, I Get everybody involved. I think Jim's right about that. Get everybody involved. All right, we got to go. Thanks for coming in, folks. Thanks for being part of it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.